I get asked a lot, like, what inspires me? And I think the thing when, when all this happened was the thing that I found most inspiring were the people who were reaching out to me to tell me their stories. Um, the people who were just constantly like, oh my gosh, me too. Like, I do that. I, I did that. Hey, friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Carla Stickler. Uh, Carla is currently a software engineer at G2 in Chicago. Uh, She spent a large portion of her career as an actor. She made a dramatic return to the stage during the height of the 2021 and 2022 COVID surge in New York. Carla was featured on NPR, ABC, Vulture, Inside Edition, and Nightline for a performance as Alfalba in Wicked on Broadway after seven years away from the role and a career change into tech. In this episode, you'll learn about this transition, this exciting opportunity that she had, um, this return, um, how it started from a text message that changed her life, why artists don't need to be the starving artist anymore, um, how to get started with coding and, um, and the benefits of working in tech and also working on art and creative projects on the side, and so much more. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCurrentPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Carla. Cool. Carla, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, David, for having me. So I think that sometimes people are kind of one email away from new opportunities. Talk to us about maybe a phone call that you got um, around Christmas time and uh, maybe how a phone call may have opened up some things for you. Yeah. Wow. I love that. A phone call. It was actually a text message. If you want to get really down to the nitty gritty of it, it was a text message. I, I was driving up to Northern Michigan with my husband for vacation because my company was like, gave everybody the week off after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. And I was like, yes, I'm going to relax. I'm going to sleep. Um, and then uh, on the way up to Michigan, I get a text message from one of the company managers over at Wicked. And they were like, hey, what are you doing? Any chance you want to fly to New York and help us out? And it was surprising, mostly because I do not live in New York anymore, and I quit the business, and I am a software engineer, and I was like, you know, maybe I do. I don't know. I A lot of things in my brain were like, don't do this. You shouldn't do this. I don't think you want to do this. But there was like this little, little thing in there that was just like, no, I think you should do this. There's so much context for all of these statements uh, that I can provide for you. <laughs> But, you know, it was, it was just one of those things where like, I, I had been, I had left the show full time in 2015. Um, I had been an understudy, like vacation emergency cover for the company since then. So like the last time I had been in the show, in the ensemble, understudying Alphaba, the green witch for all of your listeners out there who don't know who Alphaba is. She is the wicked witch of the West. She's green. She is, in my opinion, one of the hardest roles in the female canon on Broadway. Um, she belts her face off. Uh, I've been understudying her for like, at that point, like 10 years. So I was doing understudy work, um, vacation covering, jumping in, 
helping out whenever they needed, but I hadn't actually played the role since 2015. So um, when I, when the pandemic hit and I was like, peace, I'm out. And I quit the business and then moved to Chicago. Um, I was like, I'm done. They can't call me anymore. Uh, I am moving on with my life. I can have, I can go and have like a real life and not be afraid that Wicked's going to call me at the drop of, you know, like on a, they used to call me, they call me like a Saturday morning and be like, Hey, can you come to the Gershwin for the two o'clock matinee? We just need like another alphabet body in the building. Cause everybody's sick. Um, so I did that a lot. It was like always when, between when I left the company full-time and when the pandemic started, it was always like a possibility that they would call me. Um, and I, you know, being a good actor or understudy, I wanted to be loved. I was, I wanted to be good at my job. So I was always kind of ready. Um, even though I wasn't like a full-time member in the company. So when they called, I was like, okay, I haven't actually sung much in the past year, but let's do it. Let's go see what playing Alphabet is going to be like after having left the business. Um, and it was pretty amazing. And, you know, it did, it definitely changed a lot of things for me. It opened a lot of doors, um, that I was not expecting to open, you know? Mm-hmm. What, um, what would you say are some of the the doors that it opened that, um, you weren't expecting? That's a great question. Um, I, I really thought like, I was, I was, I was not super vocal when I left the business. Um, you know, I, I started the process of leaving before the pandemic started, um, but I hadn't really fully committed to that process because, you know, as an actor, there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to kind of broadcast that we're leaving the business. Um, Shame, fear, failure, all that stuff. Right. And like, I, I didn't really want to tell a lot of people that I was leaving, you know, people in my inner circle knew that I had learned how to code and I was thinking about doing this, but you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, I guess everybody isn't working so I can commit fully to this thing and I can be pretty vocal about it. And, you know, and during the pandemic, um, after I got a job in tech, I started putting stuff out there on the internet on like my private social media stuff being like, hey, y'all, I learned how to code. I have a job with benefits and all these wonderful things. And if you are somebody who's trying to figure out what to do right now, because the industry doesn't exist anymore. There's no theater. There's no acting. There's no music, whatever. Reach out. Um, I would love to help. And so I'd kind of started this path of like helping a lot of people get into that and discover that like there were options for them as actors. And so when I had this opportunity to kind of go back and play Alphaba, it allowed me to kind of do that on a much grander scale um, to start talking much more publicly about like the realities of, you know, not only what it's like to be a professional actor, but also the realities of what it's like to be a human who needs to survive and, and has a lot of other skills that they, you know, they have and has a lot of other things that they enjoy doing. And so it, it kind of gave me this really interesting platform, I guess. Um, you know, like I, when I played, when I went on for Alphaba, obviously there was a lot of stuff going on in New York and the idea of understudies going on at the drop of a hat because people were getting sick was a really big deal at that moment because Hugh Jackman had very publicly said something um, about uh, their, their, they'd had like a last minute Marion swap out. And he made a big statement at the curtain call and it went viral. And so then when I ended up performing the role of Alphaba after not having done it for seven years, 
my friends very graciously like were like celebrating me on the internet and some of them have lots of followers. So the media picked up on it and people were asking me about it. They're like, how do you do this? I'm like, well, you know, I, first of all, I'm a professional understudy. It's something I've trained for my whole life. Well, I haven't performed the role in seven years. Like I was still trained up. Yes. The, the crazy thing to me is that I hadn't sung in like a year, you know, like, but I was a professional at this thing. So like, I've been doing it right. So like bringing an awareness to like how hard actors work and understudies work was really important. Right. And then that kind of morphed into this other thing of like, oh, all these people reaching out and being like, I used to be an actor. I used to be in the arts and I'm, I'm now working in marketing or in tech or whatever. And I feel like for the first time I see somebody who represents me out there, who's, who's like not afraid to like talk about how hard it was to be an actor and the reality of wanting to leave and have like stability in their life. And so many people telling me that they had felt like they were failed. They were a failed actor or, you know, all the shame that went with quitting. Um, And so it gave me this really interesting opportunity to kind of talk very publicly about that, you know, about my journey and how, how, you know, from the outside looking in, it looked like I had made it right. Like I was on Broadway and I was understudying Alphaba and I was doing all the things. And the reality of that was that I was, I was really miserable. And, and then when I wasn't working, I was also miserable because I didn't know what to do. Like I hadn't really prepared myself for the in-betweens, you know, other than aside from like learning how to wait tables and bartend, which I was not very good at because I really hated doing it. Um, you know, I, I didn't really have like a skill set that I could rely on because I had been fed that narrative my whole life of, if you can't imagine, if you can, what is it? If you can imagine yourself doing anything else, go do that. Right. And, and this very like one track hyper-focused thing that we tell young actors is like, you should commit a hundred percent to this thing. And if you, if you can see yourself doing anything else, go do that. But then the problem is you're like me and I'm like, I don't do anything else, but I'm miserable and I can't afford, you know, health insurance because I'm, I'm a voice teacher now and I'm, I'm not booking any acting work. And so it, it's that thing where like, we don't want to talk about it, right? We glorify the idea of the struggling artist, but the struggling artist sucks. And like, I I don't know why we've all kind of collectively decided that that's how we're going to live as artists, that we're all just going to like struggle and, and starve and, and work dumb jobs because our passion is our art. And, and if we're passionate about art, we have to sacrifice our whole lives. I just, whoever decided that was the story we're all going to tell, like, go away. Like I'm done with that story. It just, I think a lot of people also during the pandemic have started realizing like that narrative does not work for them. That is not a, that, that is not real. Like that, that should not be everything. And so, you know, it's been really interesting having this moment to kind of talk more about how we as artists can, you know, protect ourselves, you know, we can support ourselves. We can, we can have other things going on in our lives that allow us to be full human beings. What? I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, but no one ever, no one ever told me that when I was younger, I didn't, I always felt so much shame when I would like not be working, you know, like when I was between gigs or when I like wanted to do something else, I always felt like there was something wrong with me. 
Like I wasn't a, I must not be a good actor. God, I must be, I must be so bad. Like, why would I want to be in a business like that? Um, Just constantly making you feel like you're not good enough or whatever. And the thing about being an actor is so much of it is arbitrary. So much of it is out of your control. You know, some casting director's idea of what this person is supposed to look like. And you have literally no control whether or not you fit that. And it's just, there is an actor, you have no control of your life. So it's so why we're telling young actors that they should commit fully to this thing where they have no control. It's bananas to me. You know, we should be teaching them like these entrepreneurship classes. We should teach young actors how to be a business, how to like survive and have like a side hustle or or how to just like do more than one thing, you know, that I don't know if you like and I don't I, I wish I had data to back this up. But like, I feel like I've always been told less than 1% of union actors are working at any given time because there are just so many people in the union and not enough jobs. And like, if that's true, man, that's bonkers, you know, like less than 1%. What's 99% of the other actors doing with their time? Just like feeling like they're, they're like a failure because they're not working, but there's not enough work. So there's going to be that many people not working. Um, just doesn't feel sustainable to me, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like this platform or larger stage, no pun intended or pun intended, Mm -hmm. sounds like, um, you know, gave you more confidence in the, the things that you were thinking about, the things that you wanted to do. And by hearing that other people were also going through those things, you kind of gave them permission while giving like kind of permission to yourself as well, that it's okay to not be the struggling artist. Is that, is that one of the takeaways? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I get asked a lot, like what inspires me? And I think the thing when, when all this happened was the thing that I found most inspiring were the people who were reaching out to me to tell me their stories. Um, the people who were just constantly like, oh my gosh, me too. Like I do that. I, I did that. I, I'm so impressed that you're doing this because I, on a much smaller scale, you know, people, people love to be like, no, it's not the same, but it's the same. And I was like, you're right. It is the same. Like we're all, we've all been fed that narrative. Um, and we all started out all the people that started out in the arts, you know, and, and really committed fully. And then just felt, you know, maybe something came up in their life that took them away from it, or, you know, they got sick or someone they loved got sick, or they couldn't afford to like, just pay their rent because New York city is really expensive. And, you know, they, they felt like they felt like it was their fault that they failed, that they, they put themselves out there. They tried and they couldn't, they couldn't hack it. And and it was, it was all their fault that they didn't do it. And, and just having all these people kind of reaching out to me and telling me these stories of things, you know, or, or saying like, Oh, I work in tech, but like, I, I sing in a choir on the weekends, um, you know, or I, I play music with the band and I'm in whatever, you know, um, it, it was really inspiring to hear that there are people doing what I did successfully. Right. Like that was really nice. Cause like people don't talk about that. You know, you don't hear people who have left the business talking about how wonderful their life is since they quit. Um, so it was really nice to hear that, you know, there are people who are happy and successful and, living their lives fully. And then to hear people telling me that they 
they were so inspired by me leaving and going back that they're, you know, they're going to start doing something artistic again in their life because they felt like because they had quit, they couldn't do it anymore. You know, like I found, I found all of these people to be so inspiring. You know, it, it gave me a little more peace of mind that I had made the right decision, you know, um, that the, like, I am not a failed artist. And also I am still an artist, you know, just because I, I took a step away doesn't mean I am any less of an artist. Anybody can call themselves an artist, you know, I don't, a lot of gatekeeping in that art area. And I was just so inspired to hear all these people, you know, reaching out to me. I'm like, who am I? I'm, I'm just, you know, like I, I think because I did this thing that was really super impressive and surprising people were really taken by that and i and i'm i'm grateful that they find that exciting and and wanted to reach out because it really helped me feel better about what i had done wow well hopefully you know to the person that's listening to this you know uh, i think it sounds like we were encouraging them to reach out if this you know this kind of story this kind of message you know resonates um, and if there's other kind of stories that they hear to reach out to other people, I think what's fascinating is like how, how people sharing their story was inspiring to you for the thing that you did. Right. And it was kind of, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to bother this author, this busy, successful business person. Like, who am I to, to say this thing? But it's also, it sounds like you're saying is like, it was helpful to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and another thing that I think was interesting, you talked about how people reached out, but also like another side of the things of this, uh, when we, you know, work on multiple things or, you know, have multiple passions or are learning new skills or creating things, you know, it sounds like, like your, your company was also like rooting for you as well too. Was that, is that, I know sometimes that's a concern of like, oh, I'm doing this thing on the side. I got to keep it quiet and stuff. Yeah, no, my, uh, I'm really fortunate that I work. I, I work at a company that is, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like a tech thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like my company was very excited to see me go off and do this. Like they were really excited about the fact that I was um, like, they gave me a lot of space to do it. They weren't, um, you know, I was on vacation for the first week of it, but then when I went back to work, I was still in New York for a week. So I had a little bit of layover, like, a like I work remotely full-time anyway. Um, and my manager was great. I was like, Hey, so this thing happened, it's going to be over soon, but I need to finish it out. Um, and they were like, great, take, take the time you need. Like we, my company has these values we live by. I think a lot of tech companies kind of do, but like the peak values, right. Performance, entrepreneurial spirit, authenticity, and kindness. Right. And we like, we, we really live by those values. And so I think for me to go and do this and like fully do it, that was kind of part of that, like authenticity, right? Like this is who I am. And, you know, you're working at, as a software engineer now is who I, who I become, but I'm still this other person and I have to go and kind of finish this thing. And they were very supportive and excited to have me do it. And, you know, they like that people at our company do other things. Like we have like a music channel. We have a ton of people who are like in bands at my company and do a lot of other different artistic things. So it's been really nice to also be a part of that community at my job. And then also to like, see that there are other people like me who like do art and also are in tech and like 
have these very fulfilling lives. Um, that was, that's been really cool to like, not only like have them support me, but also like find those people that I work with who are also doing similar things. Yeah. I love that. In earlier, you talked about this kind of, uh, tech as a skill set. It sounds like, you know, learning coding and, and, um, tech skills has been kind of a, uh, you talked about earlier, like not really having like a transferable skill set or foundational skill set, but it seems like you found it. What would you say to someone that is interested in, you know, learning how to code? Like, I know that sometimes that's like a big phrase, like, oh, learning how to mm-hmm. code, like code what? Like what? I mean, uh, I know how to yeah. use a computer, but like, <laughs> wait, uh, what's software engineering? That's like very technical and that's not me. And, you know, what, what would you say to that person? That's like, you know, I, I already have years of experience. I don't, I don't, I don't think that I can learn some of these, yeah. these skills that, you know, I think, I think not to out myself for my age, but like, I just turned 39 last week and like, I have no spring chicken. Okay. Like I, I learned how to do this thing in my late, my mid to late thirties. Um, and I, and I started a new job, like, and I am at the bottom of the ladder and I'm going to be 40 in a year. And like, I am just starting a new career. I think there's a lot of fear that goes into learning something new later in life. And there's a lot of, a lot of fear that like, oh God, I wasted all this time or I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to catch up. Like I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the newbie and be like in my forties. God, that's awful. Um, you know, I think we, whatever reason, you know, we, we tell ourselves that like, we can't do it. I think the thing that's really cool about tech is that like, yeah, it has kind of like um, the stereotype of like being a young person's thing, but like I am by no means the youngest person on the engineering team or the oldest person on the engineering team in my company. Like right there, every company is different and has different cultures and, and engineers are the range of ages. And there's, there's no, I've never felt like I'm old. I've never felt like I I don't belong in that space. Um, and I I think for anybody who's like, oh, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like it's so hard. And, you know, it does sound really hard and it it is complicated, but I wouldn't say it's hard, right? Like, I think like if you are a person who's even just thinking about it, right? Like somebody said it and you were like, oh, that sounds interesting, but that's uh, too hard. I'd say give it a try because it's, it is, if you like puzzles, if you like, you know, just kind of figuring things out, like how things fit together, coding is just that. It's not math. It's not all math. There are some, some, some kinds of coding is a little more mathematical than other kinds, but like coding is also not just, it's not the same, right? There's lots of different ways that you can be a developer. You can be a front-end developer, which deals a lot more with what the website looks like and and the design of the website you can be a back-end developer which deals a lot more with like databases and how the system is set up right you can do ai you can be a game developer which some of those things are way more mathematical and technical than i have any interest in ever doing right but there's a lot of different ways to be an engineer and they are not all the most complicated thing that ever existed and that was something i didn't know like i i had no idea when i first found out about it i I just heard it. I had a friend who made the the transition from being a musician to being an engineer. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I'm a software engineer now. And I was like, oh, 
what? He's like, yeah. He's like, Carla, you like music theory. It's like music theory. It's just like learning another language. And once you learn that language, you can build stuff. And I was like, oh, I like music theory. Like I like the complex nature of how music fits together and harmonies and all that stuff. And so I was like, oh, I guess, I guess like I could do that. Having no idea what it entailed, having no, no point of reference for what coding was. But there are a lot of resources on the internet that are set up for people like me, like, you know, any listener who is thinking about like, maybe they want to get into coding. These resources are set up for people like us. You know, they they gamify it. There's a lot of ways in to programming and to learning how, how it works. Um, I started with Ruby on Rails. Uh, well, I started with Ruby and I started with JavaScript and then I learned Ruby on Rails and then I, I learned React. So if, and if that makes any sense to anybody. Um, but a lot of, a lot of programs will start you off with like Ruby or Python because they're very user-friendly languages. Um, a lot of the internet is built using JavaScript. Like everybody loves JavaScript right now, which is also another popular language, but, um, there's a lot of free stuff out there. Uh, I have a bunch of stuff on my website. If anybody is looking for anything, you can go to my website. It's just my name, carlastickler.com. And I've got some resources up there. And if you want to do a boot camp. That's what I did. So I did a 15 week boot camp um, in person. And it was all day, Monday through Friday, nine to six, just like intense. That is not for everybody, but that was how I wanted to do it. I like things like that. Um, so I I, you know, was all day learning how to code. Um, and I I had a really great time doing it that way. But there are other there are programs that you can do it self-paced, you can do it online, you can do whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be something that you decide you want to do and then do it immediately also like you can start dabbling for free and just start kind of picking up things here and there um it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing right you don't have to invest in a college program tomorrow so you can like get ahead you know i think take your time if it's something people are interested in doing it took about a year before I, uh, maybe 9 months before i invested in the boot camp right i i was teaching myself online for free before I decided like, okay, I want to do this. Hmm. There's a lot of free stuff out there. Um, again, all that stuff. I have some of that stuff on my website. So if people are interested, but it's not scary, it is scary. And it's not scary. It, you know, everything, anything new is scary. Yeah. <laughs> so you just kind of have to admit that like, you accept, accept that like, okay, I want to learn something new. It's going to be uncomfortable because learning is uncomfortable. Learning something new is just uncomfortable. That is part of the process of learning. You know, you are not going to know what it is immediately. And so once you can kind of say that to yourself and be like, okay, I acknowledge this is going to be an uncomfortable process. I'm going to do it anyway. And just dive in and do it. Just dive in. <laughs> dive in. And the, and would you say like to your prior self, uh, obviously it sounds like, you know, you're really glad you made the transition or totally cool about kind of transitioning into this space. You know, would you say like a lesson to your prior self is like, I wish that I would have learned, you know, these technical skills earlier and so that I could have more freedom and flexibility and peace of mind for uh, more creative and artistic projects or. Yeah, I think I wish, you know, I'm not a big fan of like regret, you know, our life happens the way it's supposed to happen, but I think if I wish someone maybe earlier on had been like, Hey, you're going to be a professional actor. You want to be a professional actor. Part of being a professional actor is that you're not going to be working all the time. That is just like part of the process. And so during that time, when you're not working, 
while you're taking acting classes and dance classes or whatever, learn a valuable skill so you can have a job that allows you to have flexibility with your time so that you can keep taking all those dance classes and voice lessons and prepare for all the acting jobs that you want. I think if I had known something existed like this, I probably would have dabbled with it way earlier. I mean, I was on, I was on tour for five years of my life and I was just sitting in hotel rooms with nothing to do during the day in cities that I could care less about being in, (laughs) you know, where I was like, I'm just going to watch Real Housewives or whatever on TV because there's not, there was nothing else to do. And I'm like, man, if I had known, I could have been learning the skill. And I think when you learn it earlier on too, there's a little more flexibility in how you can, like, for me, I didn't really want to dive into freelance work because I think in order to be a really good freelance developer, and this is just my opinion, I think, I think it does require a little bit more knowledge of like working on a production, like in a, in a, in like a big, big code base and understanding how like a big code base works. And I was always like, if I ever want to do freelance work, I should probably have worked at a company and feel really confident before I dive into that. But like, if I was like doing this alongside my career as an actor and I'd started it in college, you know, maybe like I would have started building my friends' websites. Maybe I would have created a company where I'm just like building websites for all my actor friends who don't know how to build websites. Or, you know, maybe helping people that I knew do stuff, you know, like I think you can start in different way when you're younger like that. If you're, if you do decide to start it like right away, there's more flexibility than to also do it while you're doing jobs. For me right now, like I really like having a full-time job. I really needed a break from acting. So like, I didn't want to like kind of do both simultaneously. Uh, That doesn't mean that I'm done entirely with theater and acting, but um I think for now, because like, I didn't do it earlier, right? Like if I think if I had started earlier, maybe I would have tried to do both things. I think there is a world where those two things can coexist, um, but not for me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that um, you'd want to say to your prior self? I know there's no, no, nothing is regret, but anything to your prior self or anything else you want to leave listeners with on some of these topics that we've talked about today? You know, I think like, when I think back to like who I was when I was first starting out as an actor, I think just letting myself know that I am braver than I thought I was. Um, being an actor takes a lot of bravery. Changing careers takes a lot of bravery, but learning to kind of trust, I, I can't help but quote Wicked, right? But like trust my instincts, right? Like I'm, I think Defying Gravity is a really beautiful song, right? I'm through accepting limits because someone says they're so, right? It's like this whole idea of like, I'm going to trust myself. I think if I could have taught myself that younger, at a younger age, that like to trust those things that I'm feeling, you know, I loved acting, I loved performing, but there was always this feeling for me that it wasn't the way that it was set up wasn't going to be sustainable for me because I I didn't like when I was, I didn't like how I felt, you know, all the unknowns around it. I, I like to feel a little more stable and secure. So I, I would have allowed, I would have just wished that I had known to trust that it's okay. Like, it's okay. If you want to take a step away, it's okay. If you want to take a break, it's okay. If it doesn't feel right, like it's okay. If you want to go do something else, like the industry being an artist is never going to go away. So taking care of yourself should be the number one priority. Um, but that's hard, right? Like, I don't know if I would have believed myself if I tried to tell myself that when I was young, <laughs> but I think. That's just something that we learn as we grow, as we get older. And 
I'm glad that I found it. Have I found it perfectly? No, but you know, it's process and keep growing and maybe I'll change my mind in a couple of years and I'll go do something else. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's all okay though. Long life. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, you mentioned your website. Um, is there any other resources or places you want to point people to, to, to stay in touch and to reach out and continue to learn from you? Yeah. Uh, I post a lot on Instagram. It's kind of the, my social media of choice these days. So I love messages, reach out. I, I will always respond. I like to respond to people. So, um, I might, I think I'm going to jinx it by saying it on this, but I think I'm starting a podcast and it's because I want to start amplifying other people's stories and voices. So it's going to be a lot about getting more like the things that I wanted to hear, the the stories that I wish I had heard when I was younger, um, that there are people out there who have moved and done other things, artists who have like morphed into other things. So, um, but with that, I want to hear other people's stories. So reach out to me, share me your story. Maybe I'll get it on my podcast. So yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, Carla. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.